Hello and welcome to another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I am your host, Trent Reinsmith, and this is the September 7th edition of the podcast. Today's topics, how do you feel if you're Ger- Gerald Marshart? Probably not too good and maybe a little bit pissed off. People ask me, why do you hate the UFC? But really, I could just as easily turn that around and ask the same folks, why do you hate the UFC's fighters? MME media is focusing on the wrong thing when it comes to Nick Diaz. Overwhelmingly, the media is doing basically fantasy matchmaking instead of making a story about Nick Diaz, the fighter. Nick Diaz, the person. American Top Team looks like it's going to be a COVID-19 hotspot for a while, and that's not bad luck. That's bad decision making. Here's a question for you. If you are Gerald Marshart, how are you feeling right now? Are you happy? Are you feeling that maybe the UFC doesn't respect you? That maybe the UFC is looking at you as kind of a, a bump in the road? As maybe the UFC just said, just thinks that you're just some guy? Because that's that's what, how I would feel. Because he uh, Marshart is scheduled to fight... Hamzat Chemaev on September 19th at the UFC Apex. And there's Dana White out here just already booking Chemaev's next fight. And that fight's going to be against, allegedly, what they're looking at is Damian Maya. So, I don't know what... Is that tempting the MMA gods? I mean, I think it is because... If you're booking a fight for a guy already, his next fight before he's even uh, stepped into the, even weighed in for his for his upcoming fight, well, that's uh, I don't know how I feel about that. And if I'm if I'm Marshart, I know I know how I feel about it. if I'm him. I feel like like I'm just some some dude, just some guy that's there to get run over. And well, if if he wanted Marshart to uh, you know get get what uh, in team sports there, it's called bullet board material, bulletin board material, where they just take comments from an opponent and throw it up on the bulletin board and look at it every day and stew. Well, you got that. You definitely got that going. <laughs> um, uh, Marshart's not a bad fighter. By any means, I mean he hasn't won two in a row since twenty-seven, twenty eighteen, but he's not someone that should just be overlooked, and that's what's happening here. Uh, so, I mean, Chimaev looked great in his UFC fight so far, but we've seen people look great and wash out. And I don't—I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I am saying that. You're kind of tempting fate here if you're already booking Chimaev's next fight before he's even fought um, the one that, the fight that's scheduled for September 17th. So maybe let's just cool out, chill out. You know the guy's gonna wants to fight, but take it one at a time. Just you know, let everything play out and see how it how it works. And what do you do? What do you do if Marshart wins? Do you book? Does he get the Maya fight then? Because, you know, why not? Maybe he should. Yeah, this whole thing is just very weird, but it's also very UFC. 
and I'd like to say it surprises me, but it doesn't. It it doesn't. So if you follow me on social media or pretty much anywhere, you'll see that in uh, comments to my stories or comments to things I write, I'm often asked why I hate the UFC or why I hate Dana White. And I, I don't think I hate either those th- of those things. I know I don't hate the UFC. I dislike the way Dana White runs the business. I dislike a lot of the things he does, but I don't personally know him. I dislike the way he spoke about me and how he speaks about other folks. But again, I don't know him, so hate, that's a strong word. I don't think it goes that far. But as far as the UFC... Why would I hate the UFC? Because I don't. Now, because the UFC is just the organization. And, yeah, I I make my living off of talking about the UFC, writing about the UFC, commenting on the UFC. But I don't hate the UFC. And to assume that I do is, is silly. Because I could turn that thinking right around and say, well, why do the people who say that hate the UFC fighters because what I want is what's best for the fighters and if you're saying I hate the UFC but I am supporting the fighters well then isn't the opposite true for those people accusing me of of uh, hating the UFC they don't like the fighters they support the three letters and I think that's true I think we have a lot of people that do that because a lot of folks ignore what's going on and how the fighters are treated and how the fighters are paid and how they have no rights. They don't care. A lot of fans just want to see two folks locked in a cage, slugging it out. And that's fine, but it's my job to bring light to the other things that are going on in the UFC. Now, if you don't like that, don't read it. That's simple. But don't accuse me of something just because you don't like the way I I do my job. I don't, yeah, I want what is best for the fighters 100% of the time. I will, I will, well, 99% of the time, just leave a little wiggle room there. I'm going to side with the fighters because they are the ones being exploited by the UFC. And yes, they are being exploited because they're being underpaid. Um, They have no real benefits other than uh, high deductible uh, health insurance during fight week. I mean, fight camp, and they earn, they bring in an enormous amount of money, and of that pool, they get less than 20%, while the UFC gets 80%. And the, the, the song of that, the, the UFC is taking all the chances, those days are gone, long gone. Those days went out the window long before the Fertitas sold to endeavor for four billion, and now that they sold for four billion, those days are in the past. To bring up that argument is silly. It's it's an argument that shouldn't even be uh, responded to because it it makes no sense at all. The UFC is not taking all the chances. Not anymore. Maybe early on, but not anymore. The fighters are taking much more chances because they're taking chances with their with their health and their their 
livelihood and their long-term you know fitness both mentally and physically and financially because it's very rare that someone's going to walk away from the UFC with enough money to retire on and then in, in a healthy manner because they just don't pay that much and I think that's what we're seeing a lot these days that veteran fighters are competing just to earn a paycheck because they really don't have any other option at this point and you get to your mid-30s late late 30s early 40s and the only thing on your resume is cage fighter like I said in the past well that doesn't really do anything for you unless you're going to run a gym, work at a gym, train or train fighters. No one's going to hire you to to run their business unless it's a fighting business with with cage fighter on your on your resume and nothing else. And may, may, well, maybe a, a college degree from you know twenty some years ago. That's it's not it's not going to to get you far. And that's why we see fighters who probably should be out of the game staying in the game to earn a paycheck. And those are the people that I want to represent. Those are the people that I support. So, like I said, I don't hate the UFC. I don't like the way things are run. I don't like the way they pay their people. I don't like the way they deal with their people. I don't like the way they deal with the media. But I'm all for the fighters. And the fighters fight for the UFC. And if you don't understand that, I, I don't know what I can do for you. And, I, and the same goes the other way. I don't understand why you support the multi-million dollar um, president of the UFC who's raking in all that money and taking no chances. And in the meantime, also taking shots at the fighters who are risking their health and and, and it's not a stretch to say risking their lives in the cage so he can go out and play blackjack, uh, get some fake snow dumped in his driveway, or tip waiters and, and car dealers more than he is paying the fighters in his organization. I don't hate the UFC, but I do support the UFC fighters far more than I support the UFC's management team and, and those three letters. And I think everyone should should do the same because I think it makes sense. I spoke a bit about Nick Diaz yesterday, and I want to continue to speak about Nick Diaz today. And what I want to talk about today is media and fans. So I think I've made it clear that I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight unless he is 100% ready to fight healthy to fight both physically and mentally and he doesn't have any let's say issues that are preventing him from being 100% in the game if he's not 100% in the game I have no interest in seeing him fight and I will admit that I was a huge Nick Diaz fan back when Nick Diaz was fighting and winning which has also been a long time but the last thing I saw from Nick Diaz was that interview with Ariel Hawani and it did not make me want to see him fight again that's for sure so if you haven't watched it please do so it was from earlier this year I believe a pretty long interview but watch that if you get a chance and um, you can then make up your own mind on what you think of uh, Nick Diaz's fitness at that point I don't know how he is 
now, but then it was not good. And so that's that's what bothers me a lot about the media over the last day and a half. Once the news came out that Diaz was thinking about making a return, well, all the news, uh, at least everything that I saw was, who's he going to fight? Who's he going to fight? Who can they match him up against? Do you want to see him fight? And fine, that's great if if you feel that Nick Diaz is ready to fight, but anybody in the media that saw that interview would should say, no, Nick Diaz is not ready. Was not was not ready to fight at that point. We're we're not getting that though. We're not getting that kind of reporting. We're getting we're getting more fan based reporting on. Well, all right, Nick Diaz is back. He's ready to roll, but he's not. I, I, we need confirmation that he is. Seeing him cut weight that doesn't. All right, that means he can make the weight. Cool, but that's not the whole battle, is it? Is it half the battle? I don't know. It's it's definitely not the whole battle. The mental part is much more important to me, I think. And not in in a way that is he mentally ready to fight. In a way that is he okay from a a, a livelihood perspective. And like I said, that video was worrisome. And I think the media should focus more on that than on being fan-based reporting and, and trying to matchmake for, for Nick Diaz. Because if you're a journalist, if you're a media member, why is that your focus for, for someone who might not be well enough to fight? That ignores a lot of things. It ignores a lot of things. And that's what the UFC wants. It wants you to report on, well, who's Nick Diaz going to fight? And how much is it going to sell? Because that supports the UFC's narrative that, hey, Nick Diaz is coming back. And are you ready for that? I'm not. I'm not ready for that until I know that Nick Diaz is ready for that. And someone needs to investigate that. Now, I'm not going to get access to Nick Diaz because my focus would be not on his fight, but on Nick Diaz. And I'm sure his handlers don't want to do that either. So... It's not going to be me. It's going to have to be someone who's uh, willing to ask the uncomfortable questions but also have a good relationship with the UFC and Nick Diaz. I don't know who that is, but it's definitely not me. Um, I mean, I've, I've spoke to Nick Diaz and I had a great interview with him and that was a few years ago. And he was uh, um, he came across as a, a good guy. He was seemed interested in me as well as the story um he was worried about how things sounded and how he was coming across and it was a good interview and and i thought he was someone that i enjoyed talking to so but i don't know if that's the same nick diaz because this was probably i don't remember but it was a while ago a, f a few years ago i don't see the same nick diaz that that i spoke to when when he spoke to ariel hawani that's for sure and so I would like the UFC, the uh, sorry, the media to investigate that more than who he's going to fight. Now I understand the fans. The fans, if you just want to see a guy fight, you want to see a guy fight, and you want to ignore the rest. That's fine. That's what fandom is all about. You focus on the good, and you kind of try and ignore the bad. But the media's job is to look at the whole picture, and the whole picture is that he hasn't won a fight in years. The last time he saw him 
was worrisome, like I said. And so he's made the weight cut now and he can make weight. So you got to go through that whole circle to report a complete story. Don't ignore the bad just to try and do some fantasy matchmaking because that's what everyone at the UFC is going to want. And that's not reporting. That's not journalism. That's not media work. That's just, here's the storyline that the UFC wants and this is what I'm going to present. The journalism is digging in and, and saying and asking why why do you think you're ready? Um, we were worried about this, this, and this. How's that been dealt with? And get answers to those things. But the fantasy matchmaking, if you're just going to ask him who he wants to fight and how his weight cut went, well, that's not journalism. You're just lobbing softballs. And I don't have any interest in that. And maybe fans do. Maybe some fans don't, but I'd like to know more about Nick Diaz than who he wants to fight and how his camp went and how his weight cut went. And I think the media folks who are, like I said, who are just ignoring all that bad and all the background and the huge gap in time between fights and the number of losses, well, they're just playing into the UFC's narrative. And I don't, I don't like that. And... I don't think that that should be the way the reporting is done on Nick Diaz, at least not right now, at least not till we know Nick Diaz is ready to fight, both physically and mentally and emotionally. The MMA world is a confusing, confusing place sometimes. So today, Paige Van Zant said that her and her husband... Austin Vanderford, Vanderford, both tested positive for, well, she thinks they both have COVID-19, um, and she, they've been training at ATT, and ATT had two fighters and two coaches test positive for COVID-19 at this past weekend's UFC event. And I know they've had, and Vanderford in the video that he said he tested positive for COVID-19 said that five of his teammates at ATT have tested positive. So ATT is looking like kind of a hot spot there in Florida. Read the interview that um, Stephen Morocco did with Van Zant on MMA fighting because I'm not really going to focus on what's going on there. And there's a lot going on there. So read that interview. But what I want to focus on is Lambert's comments. And... He is saying that it's, quote, it's just a bad run of luck, but it's not a bad run of luck. I'm not a big believer in luck. I I think uh, a lot of the times you make your own luck, and if you have people training in a gym together in close proximity, it's not luck when someone does or doesn't get COVID-19. It's not practicing safe uh, it's safe protocols. Now, I understand that to train you have to be in close contact. True. But that doesn't mean it's luck or bad luck. It means that's what you're doing and therefore you're increasing your chances of catching this virus and you catch the virus. No luck involved. It's so what you're doing is directly leading to it. 
like I said, that's not luck. That's just how shit works. What bothers me more, though, is this lengthy quote from Dan Lambert. People have to live their lives. They've got to go out and earn a living. I can't tell people at our gym you can't go to work because somebody else at the gym that you may or may not have worked with got sick. It just doesn't work like that. Back when this thing first came out and nobody knew how serious it was or what the long-term effects were of people who got sick or how high the mortality rate may or may not have been with the disease, I totally understand shutting down and doing what you have to do because nobody knows where it's going. But with the knowledge that we have and the chances of having serious health effects by being exposed to this that are otherwise healthy are just so, so minimal. I don't have second thoughts. We're going to run our gym the best we can. We're going to do our best to keep the gym as safe and protected as we can. And unless the science proves otherwise, and in my opinion it hasn't, we're going to be open for business. There's a lot to unpack there. None of it good. So I can't tell people at our gym you can't go to work. You literally own the gym so you can tell anyone they can't go to work. If you own it, you can prevent people from going to work. Would that suck? Sure. But you can do that. You can tell them that. If they go elsewhere, that's not your problem. Um, we didn't know how serious it was or what the long-term effects were. Still don't know the long-term effects. You know why we don't know the long-term effects? Because it's been less than a year that this thing's been around. You're not going to lower the long-term effects for quite a while. But... By the sound of things, those long-term effects might not be too good. And the short-term effects are possibly myocarditis, and that's also not too good. You don't know what the mortality rate was, so you understood shutting down kind of. All right, so if you're healthy, there's a chance, the chances are better that you won't die but you don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. Even if you're healthy, you don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. If you think you do, you are 100% wrong. So that's why this I don't have second thoughts is bad. We're doing our best to keep the gym as safe and protected as we can. And I would ask, are you? Because you had two fighters and two coaches test positive. And now you have two other fighters test positive outside of that. And a report of five of us dude's teammates so something's fallen by the wayside there and this cycle once it starts it's not going to really just stop on its own unless you remove people and if they've all been in contact well then you need to shut it down and quarantine everybody that's what you need to do if you're not doing that you're not doing everything you can for your gym unless the science proves otherwise and in my opinion it hasn't you can't really have an opinion on science, can you? Science is science, so it's either A or B. It's either proved or it's disproved. I think Lambert here is just looking for a way to keep his gym open by the sounds of things. And that's fine. If he wants to do that, that's fine. But he shouldn't be surprised if he keeps getting people and coaches that come down with COVID-19. This isn't just going to, to borrow a, a phrase from Donald Trump, this isn't just going to disappear like a miracle one day. It's not. And if you keep having people in close contact with another and there's one person who has an active case of COVID-19 and can spread it, well, it's going to spread. 
the odds are good it's going to spread. Dan Lambert needs to shut his gym down, quarantine everyone for two weeks, and start new. Until that happens, ATT is gonna, going to probably be a hot spot, continue to be a hot spot. And it's not bad luck. It's bad decisions. And that is a wrap on tonight's Come On Now MMA podcast. I will be back tomorrow. And until then, stay safe.